0: Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Hi there, and welcome back to Health Bite. I'm so happy today to have with us Dr. Romi. She is a board certified, actually triple board certified physician in neurology, integrative medicine, and mindfulness. She is a renowned national speaker as well as a media expert focusing on all things brain health and wellness. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, Adrienne, thank you so much. It's great to join you in the Health Bites community today.
0: This is such a great topic and such a relevant topic. I feel like cognitive health and brain health has really come to the forefront of our consciousness. Wouldn't you say there's there's a lot of interest around this right now?
1: Yeah, I'm a, a non-clinical physician now uh, after 14 years of practicing neurology. And I founded my own company with the idea of how were we going to change the paradigm around brain and mental wellness in the workspace so that we were avoiding the sick care and the stress-related illnesses in the healthcare space. And before the pandemic, I was kind of this odd consultant or speaker until people heard my message on stage. And now you're absolutely right. The responsibility, the corporate responsibility of discussing brain and mental wellness has been highlighted and to the forefront and that you can't run a company today without really being mindful of how well your employees are feeling and functioning.
0: So, yeah, Dr. Romy, I think that's absolutely right, that um, as we're trying to figure out how to Be our best working from home and manage all the various tasks that we have and yet be productive in the workplace and for our employer uh, and for ourselves and well-being really becomes important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, here's the thing, Adrian, that people come to me for and, and I joke about it, and, and this is where my sass and soul come out is you're gonna bring a brain doctor on haired health bites. And what nobody wants sitting right now in our current pandemic where people are either stuck working from home or risking their lives as essential workers at the front line. We're way beyond what I call that bougie brain health advice. Eat your berries, breathe throughout the day. Like we are so far beyond that. that When we talk about the word cognition, that encompasses your ability to focus, your ability to modulate your moods, your ability to, you know, uh, deal with intermediate and short-term memory. And You know, this is greatly impacted because of the stress, the loss of routine, the PTSD, the grief, the trauma. I, I mean, you name it, right? Layer upon layer. And so, you know, you and I are here today. Let's have what I call Dr. Romy real talk about how we're addressing brain and mental health. And and just so you know, Adrian, and I know you and I are on the same space, is you know, integrative medicine is the, the science of wellness, and everything you and I do is is backed up by research and the latest medical evidence. And in addition, I consider psychiatry and neurology on one spectrum. You know, we're all boarded under one house because often when you have a structural problem in the brain, uh a neurological disease, there's always a concomitant functional psychiatric component to it and vice versa. The more we learn about psychiatric symptoms like anxiety and depression, the more we realize there's a structural problem in the brain. So I I use brain function all as one.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that. And I want to highlight what you were saying initially, because I think being isolated uh, as we are, it's hard to recognize the commonality of the experience. But for you and where you stand, and for me also as a clinician, these are the things that we are hearing uh, that people are having trouble with um, mood, obviously, but focus, right? Focus is a big one that um, they're having trouble kind of staying on task.
1: And there is a good reason for that right now. Yeah, Adrienne, you're absolutely right. One is, uh, to your point, I really want everyone hearing you and I talking to know you're not alone. We feel socially isolated. We can only see what others post on social media or tell you by text message. But how do I know that we're collectively suffering? I'm getting hired by companies to give lectures globally, virtually, and since the pandemic started, we've lectured maybe over a hundred thousand success-driven professionals, just like, you know, everyone listening to this podcast. And there we run a stress test, what we call the busy brain test. And, this is exactly what we found is that universally, on average, 92% of people have an abnormal or a high stress score. And we'll talk about that. And what does that mean? I call it a busy brain, Adrian. It's It's a layperson's term that I think you and I and anybody listening can relate to, that it starts off like this. You wake up and you're like, girl, Don't even get me started. I have no personality. Let me have a lot of caffeine. And for a lot of people, caffeine has failed and they're getting stimulants like Ritalin from their doctor to go. And you're trying to be productive. You've got too many screens open in front of you, and there's multiple browser windows open on all your screens and in your brain, and your to do list is multiplying faster than you can even take care of one email. And the email that used to take you and I four minutes to do is now taking 42 minutes to compose. And you try to figure out when the end of your workday is, and there's like no boundaries if you're working from home, it's all blended into one. And all of a sudden, you realize like either you need excessive amounts of alcohol to calm down at night or some overpriced supplement you fell prey to buying because an Instagram influencer told you to do it. And you go to bed and you put your head down and you're so tired, but you can't shut off the ruminating thoughts, the, the warring conversations going on in your brain. And that's what we call the busy brain. It's, it's, and my last three years of research, even before the pandemic came on, was focused on this, that traditional doctors have got it wrong, that, you know, anxiety, difficulty, focusing, and insomnia are not three separate brain disorders, but they're all one spectrum. They're three sides of the same coin. And that's what I wanted to talk about with you today, because my goodness, I mean, I've had some of those days, you know, and I, research this and try to walk the talk and lead by example. But goodness, aren't we all human trying to run businesses from home and for, you know, colleagues like you that are working at the front lines?
0: Yeah. And it has been exacerbated, um, obviously, by these current circumstances. And I think that's obvious, but it's also important to highlight because at least initially in this uh, pandemic, there was this this narrative that, oh, we're home and, and we can be even more productive because we don't have a commute and because certain job responsibilities have been taken away. But in fact, the job has multiplied for most people because their children are at home, their husbands are at home, cooking, cleaning, uh, homeschooling, and then again, a lack of boundaries around work. So the workday kind of bleeds into the evening. And so this has resulted in what was already a multi Tasking situation really exploding to tremendous multitasking, which of course takes away from productivity and from focus. So I want you to get into uh, a little bit about um, the interplay between the anxiety and the insomnia and talk
1: a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Adrian, Chris, you were absolutely right that certain people, we know it's mostly falling on women. Women are falling behind on their jobs. Uh, they're having walking away from the workplace or going part time and, you know, what, working a second and third shift and uh, taking it on as some kind of failure that, you know, Uh, the work and life are bleeding in. And I'm here to say your brain needs boundaries. It is okay to set a boundary in your brain and then resulting in a boundary in your life. And here is why is we're taught to wear stress as a badge of honor, especially in in my world where I'm dealing with fellow success-driven type A unapologetic professionals. And then you come into the pandemic and they say, well, Dr. Romy, everybody is stressed. Who's in stress? Look, we were on the call with our entire company. 92% of people had a really high stress score. That's everybody. So what? Well, here's the reason why. When we break it down into brain science, the HPA hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, it controls the function Of your brain, your mood, and how your entire body systems are all regulated. There are 50 hormones in the brain and in the body that control everything from how we're feeling, how we're thinking, how we're sleeping, your hormones, your immune system, your gut health, everything. And when we're stressed out, there is an imbalance in the HPA axis, but specifically for, for the doctors or my physician colleagues or, or the fellow geek girls and geek guys who love brain science, what we see in a particular pattern of ruminating anxiety slash worrying And that leads to a pattern of insomnia is that there's a dysregulation, meaning uh, of GABA receptors, GABA receptors in the brain. And what happens is you think, oh, I'll feel calm if I have alcohol, or maybe your doctor gave you a prescription for a benzodiazepine drug like Valium or Xanax or Ativan. Well, what happens? Temporarily, you're going to feel okay because those drugs bind to GABA. But actually, it's really dangerous. They start to multiply now with alcohol or the benzodiazepines in your system faster than bunny rabbits, multiplying. And when the alcohol or the Ativan or benzodiazepines metabolize out of your brain and your body, you get rebound ruminating anxiety, difficulty focusing during the day and insomnia at night. And now what does that translate to clinically? All of a sudden where you thought, oh, a half a glass of wine or one shot of vodka will do it. Now, all of a sudden the bottle's gone and your anxiety is still not controlled. And it's this entire disruption or what I call hyperactivity in the brain. And in everyday terms, we call it the busy brain. Um, so that's what we find was already happening. I
0: just wanted you to um, go into the alcohol piece a little bit more because there was a JAMA article uh, that came out a few months ago that said uh, drinking overall has increased by almost twenty percent over the pandemic, and that seventy nine percent of people, I think um, are drinking on a regular basis. And excessive alcohol consumption has increased most in women. Um, and so this is a phenomenon we've been seeing and experiencing in our practices and in our personal lives. But there's a misconception about what alcohol does, because to your point, it affects GABA receptors and it does cause that initial sedation. But I think what people don't understand is what it does hormonally in the brain to then also be stimulating and cause the anxiety and the insomnia. So can you talk about the physiology of that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, first of all, Adrienne, thank you for bringing up a truth. And look, you and I are not here to judge. Like, I I am a Steminist in stilettos. Everything about who I am and you are is to empower other women. And I think one of the things that unfortunately has been done before the pandemic, and it's even worse now, is that we've normalized day drinking for women, uh, people call it "mom juice," uh, you know, spiking your coffee or whatever that may be. And and the reason I bring that up is not to be judgy, wudgy, but to let you know that that is the first sign that your brain's metabolism and body has been altered by alcohol, and that. Regular consumption of alcohol. So let's say you're you're doing the FDA amount that says is healthy in a Mediterranean diet, even right. So that's like a few glasses a week for most average size women, right? It doesn't matter if it's a half a glass of wine or or, or half a shot or whatever is alcohol will initially bind to these GABA receptors and calm them down. So you're like, wow, that totally took the edge off of my mood of my day. I feel like I've finished work and I can handle my kids and my husband or other spouse or partner or pets at home, right? But what happens is the alcohol is structurally, and and mind you, not only alcohol, but these benzodiazepines, the Ativan, the Valium, the Xanax, that's also freely being prescribed for anxiety during the pandemic. They alter the structure and the function of these receptors in an unhealthy way. And it's actually causing them to proliferate. And so what's happening is your rebound anxiety and insomnia is even worse. And so here's the trick. You know, you're waking up between one to four in the morning and you're wide awake and your heart may be racing and you can't go back to bed. That's because we disrupted the hypothalamic pituitary axis, specifically those GABA receptors that are now disrupting your sleep or you wake up in the morning and you're a little anxious and you're like I'm not hungover but I've got a little bit of edge let me have coffee and carbs or something and I'll feel better right that's what we know and in in basic terms it's known as inflammation that alcohol is causing inflammation, one in your brain and two in your gut, in your intestines. And so we know that in your intestine, your feel good hormones, uh, serotonin is being robbed when you're getting alcohol and the inflammation's there. And we're disrupting your bacteria in your gut from any amount of alcohol. And then on top of it, it's affecting your receptors in your brain. And so while you're getting a temporary calm, Within a few hours, four to six hours on average, it metabolizes out. And now I say your brain is on fire. And it's almost as if you poured gasoline on a forest fire and initially you thought everything is good. I can fall asleep. And then all of a sudden you wake up and there's a raging forest fire. That's exactly what's going on with your brain cells.
0: And so can you talk also about the lingering effect? Because sometimes uh, people imagine that the effect of alcohol is just that moment or that night. But there there are studies that show that, um, for example, memory is impacted uh, days after, right? So you can learn a task, have a glass of wine or alcohol days later, and then even days later, not be able to perform as well. So what are those lingering effects? And then if you could also speak to when people can expect to be regulated, if they decide to do a dry let's say February now, since January is over, when can they expect those receptors to be regulated?
1: Yeah, let's let's take those questions one by one. So we know any amount of alcohol will slow your cognition. There, there's a misnomer that only chronic alcoholics have uh, what's known as the Wernicke's encephalopathy or dementia or alcohol-induced dementia. And while that's true, again, that one glass, that couple of glasses... Is interfering with your HPA axis. So, you know, when you and I go to bed at night, there's things like intermediate memory, like me remembering that I had a conversation with you today, Adrian, and we both are on video. So, we both happen to wear black tops. And so, if I decide that it was important to remember that you and I were both wearing black today for our interview, that's intermediate memory. When I go to sleep, the brain you know, uh, will decide, is it important for me to remember I talked to Adrian. Of course, I'm so honored to talk to a fellow colleague. That goes from intermediate to short-term memory. Or if I was teaching myself, uh, I'm trying to improve my Spanish during the pandemic. So let's say I learned five new words today in Spanish. That will not translate from immediate to short-term memory and short-term to long-term memory with any amount of alcohol on board. So not only are we fueling the fire in the brain cells to cause anxiety and difficulty focusing by drinking alcohol, it will affect our ability to retain memories and go from intermediate to short-term memory. So that's why you're like, wow, I had this conversation with Adrian today. And why is it that three days later, I can't remember what her and I talked about on this podcast? Or Adrian gave me instructions of what to email her afterwards. Why can't I remember something that basic? And that's exactly what alcohol can do. And why does that happen? Well, we know that certain minerals and vitamins get. Uh, metabolized or depleted very quickly, and a few of them I we talk about a lot are magnesium, which is a critical mineral. For every process that happens in your brain. And when you drink alcohol, we know the kidney, something gets triggered and the kidneys just waste magnesium. The other one is thiamine, uh, vitamin B1 and B12 get depleted in the brain. And, you know, again, we know in chronic alcoholism this happens, but this even happens in the short run. And so, you know, all of a sudden, You know, your brain not only is on fire, but the normal minerals and chemical reactions that were there to make your brain function are now inhibited. And that's what's going on. And I'm scared and worried we're going to lose a lot of friends, Adrian, in this podcast, because to your point, um, drinking has become normalized in the pandemic. And look, I, I deal with the corporate world, I can't tell you how many times I'm doing a presentation in the middle of the day, and they've normalized having a cocktail while they're doing this virtual conference. And it's, you know, morning on the West Coast and early afternoon on the East Coast. So I know this isn't easy. And you and I are not here sitting on our high horse. I mean, we're both very compassionate. We we just kind of want to show people what's going on and what can we do to find solutions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for people to recognize the cause and effect and then to be able to make their decisions. The other point um, that comes into play is also the effect on sleep, as you had alluded to earlier. And the fact that REM sleep is really when we consolidate and cement those memories. And that is the sleep that gets interfered with alcohol use. So there's several mechanisms by which
1: that occurs. When we take alcohol, you kind of just stay in stage one and two sleep. You don't even go into th- stage three, four and REM sleep. So you could have s- drank a lot of alcohol and been asleep for eight to 10 hours and still wake up feeling like you didn't sleep a wink.
0: So let's say based on uh, our conversation, Dr. Romy, that people are intrigued in, 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 limiting or eliminating alcohol, but we know that those effects are not immediate. So give us kind of the natural history of how this will play out.
1: You know, the the good news is, is the gut health that we start with and where you're one of your feel good sleep hormone, uh, uh, serotonin is built. We can if you take alcohol out within they say forty eight hours to five days, the study shows the inflammation will start to calm down, especially if you're trying to do your best to eat healthy along with that, right? and not a lot of processed foods. But let's go a little deeper. it's it's um people know coming out we we know dry January is a big trend even before the pandemic, and people traditionally drink heavy through the holidays all the way to New year. What, what we typically recommend is take your alcohol consumption and cut it in half for the first week. It it may be a little difficult to go dry because the rebound anxiety you can experience if you've been having more than one ounce of hard liquor, uh, you know, eight to 12 ounces of beer, four ounces of wine. If you've been having more than that to go cold turkey, it can really cause Severe rebound anxiety, um, and we, we don't want anybody to suffer, or go through other types of withdrawal symptoms. So spend a week cutting your alcohol consumption in half and see what it is. And the key is, and we're going to talk about in a second, what you're doing to replace uh, coping with anxiety. And you and I can both give solutions that we give to our clients and patients. Um, then go off, you know, a, a completely off of the alcohol and. The key is, is there was something during the day, and as you mentioned earlier, people can name 10, 12 things that are increasing stress levels at home. Virtual schooling, working from home, whatever that may be. We need to find another coping mechanism or something else to do that's going to keep you calm in its place. We're not just, you know, leaving you dry and hanging and going cold turkey. And that's where I think often the biggest mistake happens. And so that's, I think, somewhere where you and I can delve of what we talk about in this busy brain, how you heal it. And we have something known as the brain shift protocol, and we can't get through the whole thing. But we talk about the root of the busy brain or what's causing you to crave alcohol or comfort foods to calm the stress down is the root causes in brain shift. Shift stands for your sleep. Your hormones, inflammatory markers, like you know, vi- lack of vitamin D three. Um, your how you're fueling your body and technology, and so we look at those five elements over time. And when we take our corporate clients through this eight week program, we make micro habit changes, what we call brain shifts, in these areas. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. We just had a you know 54 year old technology executive who told me literally. Over the carbohydrates in his pantry, he was going to divorce his wife. He was diabetic, um, ready to go on insulin, and throughout the day to calm himself down working from home, he was going to the pantry, and about three to five o'clock, that would go from the junk food and Cheetos and Doritos to whiskey. And so this is carbohydrates and alcohol. And he went through our brain shift protocol doing like one little micro habit a week. And within eight weeks, he lost 13 pounds. And more importantly, the pantry wars ended. At the end of two months, when he went back to his primary care doctor, not only did his hemoglobin, a once c or diabetes numbers get better, he didn't need the insulin anymore. And he came off the alcohol, but that was because we did other behavioral changes and changes in the way you sleep, you fuel yourself, how you use technology to help the anxiety. And so the idea is, is what are you going to do instead when you have a busy brain?
0: Yeah, I think there's two points that I want to highlight in what you've mentioned. The first being that there is a commonality to these foods and substances that is physiologic. So the alcohol, the carbohydrates, Um, the fatty foods, these are causing changes in neurotransmitters in the brain, like the dopamine, classic dopamine hit. Um, and so that's where they're common, but as we'll get to, I'm sure the dopamine hit can also occur with other things like sunshine and heartfelt conversation, right? Meditation. So I know that we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, so let's talk about how, um, oh, this is what I was going to say, sorry. So that the second thing, and I think this is really important, actually, is that the body is so forgiving. You know, sometimes people feel like we have to make these tremendous changes in our lives in order to get uh, better, you know, better well-being or even improvement in our diabetic markers, like you mentioned, the hemoglobin A1C. But the reality is that, to your point, small shifts, small changes, small bites can have huge impact, which is really what we're trying to do here, is to, to empower people to not feel like they have to make tremendous changes, but small changes. So walk us through, if you can, and I know this is a, you know it's an eight-week program that you facilitate, but perhaps you can just talk a little bit to how people can start to shift in those areas that you've mentioned.
1: Yeah. You know, there, there are several other things. So, you know, we were really talking about um, the need for alcohol to calm anxiety. And so there's a a few things we recommend. I'm going to go down maybe what some, uh, scientifically proven supplements are that we can give people that can help, number one. And then we're going to talk about the 330 method that we introduce at the start of the brain shift protocol, which is how to, to your point, uh, alter your brain chemistry to go away from busy brain to standing in your brain power. So first, let's talk about supplements. You, you've heard me allude to magnesium. Magnesium is a key mineral that you know, can be found in foods like, you know, apples and almonds, but because of nutrient deficient soil, we're not eating as well in the pandemic and all those things. Most of us have lower levels of magnesium. And that is a critical mineral to facilitate, uh, you know, how your brain cells communicate with each other. And when we have a low magnesium level, we're prone to what we call the busy brain, this imbalance and hyperactivity in the brain. And so one of the things we often do is sit down and assess with people what type of magnesium to give them. And I know people are going to start Googling magnesium. And you and I both know, like, be careful which one you take. We don't want you to have loose stools and an upset stomach. So, if you're looking, you know, the one that uh, we prescribe uh, clinical grade is magnesium glycinate. Um, that crosses the blood brain barrier and it has minimal um, effects on your stomach and your GI system. And uh, again, especially when people drink. So, one, is very calming. Two, we're replacing magnesium if you were drinking alcohol. And under high stress, even. So, one, that's one that helps. Um, so, magnesium, I know one, is, and there's several forms depending on what people are going through. You know, uh, talk to an integrative functional medicine doctor, you know, uh, like Adrian or myself, but that's one. And, the, and then the second thing that um, we often use is 5 HTP. Have you had success with that, uh, Dr. Adrian? 5 HTP, 5 um, hydroxy tryptophan is the precursor of serotonin and melatonin and naturally occurring. And the reason I like this is I know there's a lot of different, you know, uh, supplements out there. People are pushing essential oils, lemon balm, GABA, and all this. But when I look at the clinical studies, 5-HTP has been studied in in randomized placebo-controlled trials, meaning part of the people were given a sugar pill part of the people were given actual 5HTP and we know that it boosts naturally your serotonin and melatonin levels and i call that your sleep good and feel good hormones so uh, you know, 5-HTP is something I and a lot of jet-setting executives before the pandemic would take to fight the jet lag when you're flying from one coast to another for work. And what we know in higher doses is it helps the busy brain. At night, taken, it'll help you turn off those ruminating thoughts and anxiety and fall asleep and stay asleep throughout the night because it's helping both your mood and your melatonin, in your sleep. So it's regulating your sleep cycle. And within about 7 to 14 days, it's it's as if we're kind of resetting your chemistry in your brain that people start to feel better. And now what does that mean? All of a sudden, we're not needing that, that hit to calm ourselves down from um, carbohydrates or alcohol anymore. So those are the two supplements. I, I really want to give people something that's scientifically based to take away.
0: So that's great. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the behavioral strategies that you recommend. And I know your last one was technology, but I wanna start with technology because I think it's been said and done that, you know, we, we've we overused our phones and we uh, doom scroll and, you know, social media, it's been said. But I think um, given the present circumstances and our concern over, you know, our health and our concern over the political climate and landscape, we have justified excess consumption of news uh, out of a desire to, you know, stay well or be in the know uh, for something that is very timely right. But as much as we want to be knowledgeable and even as a physician um, i've had to set boundaries on the information i'm taking in because, as we know, this is, for example, an evolving virus and information is coming out us at an exponential speed but.
1: To use your own words, uh, boundaries uh, around the brain. Your brain needs boundaries, right? When we set boundaries for our brain, we we create healthy boundaries in our life. I, I, I tell people, stop using your brain as a bulletin board where you're just throwing all these post-it notes of, of, you know, scrolling and trolling on Instagram and, and beeping through all the notifications of all the toxic 24 seven news cycle and all of that. And look, we all talked about, and and I've researched the positive effects of digital detox in the workplace with, I serve as chief wellness officer at Evolution Hospitality, where I had scaled a mindfulness and wellness program to over 7,000 employees before the pandemic. And, um, we found that, in 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 hospitality, remember hotels are open twenty four seven, right? Like hospitals, we told the top you know four hundred fifty to five hundred leaders that you're going to do digital detox thirty minutes before bedtime and start a mindfulness practice and. You know, half of the people were able to comply and the other half not. So we had a kind of a random controlled trial, and the results were astounding that without any other intervention, not giving any medicines, there was an average, like a 60% reduction in stress levels and improvement in daytime energy. And so from that data, I started. In the pandemic, what I call the 330 method, because let's be real, we can't step away from screens. We're working in front of computers all day now. Our children are there. We're having to use, you know, Zoom uh, for, you know, to connect with loved ones. It's really hard. And so I I say 3.30 method because I promised you all I wasn't going to give you any bougie brain advice. And the last thing somebody with a busy brain wants to be told is, oh, I just need you to calm down and breathe. Don't tell me to calm down and breathe. There's like this battle going on in my brain. So the 3.30 method is this. Could you take three minutes between meetings or between tasks at home, and do what I call a sensory reset for your brain. And for some people, it's as simple as taking a breath and keeping your eyes open and focusing on two things you can see, you can hear, you can taste, you can touch and resetting the senses because our sensation is the way we can control the autonomic nervous system or what's going back into our busy brain and calm us down. But some of us are so aggravated. I call it the Romy rake the leaves moment. I live in Orlando, Florida. Where I live, there's a lot of oak trees. There are leaves that are falling to the ground year-round. And some of us actually need physical stimulation for three to five minutes where you're scrambling your senses. So you can imagine if you're having to rake leaves, you're having to step away from your screens, go outside, Touch the rake, see the tree, see the leaves, breathe the air. Uh, if you if you can't do that, the easiest thing to do is do a forward fold with your eyes open and take a couple of breaths that way because you're literally looking at the world upside down. You're scrambling your senses. Or one of the favorite things I think a lot of my NBA athletes that had to get back in the game after you you know missing a important shot was to recite the alphabet backwards. So anything that's scrambling your brain for three to five minutes will give your sensory system a reset in the brain, and it kind of just confuses the busy brain, and it calms down those stress hormones levels, the the cortisol surge that's happening in in three minutes. And I told you, it's not that bougie just breathe when you're anxious. So that's three minutes during the day in between tasks. Now, 30 minutes at night, yeah, I, I am asking us to divorce our digital devices. Um, and and I to your point, Adrian. That's not easy to do because we think I'm going to scroll and do mind numbing activity. But the key is is what's one thing you can do at nighttime with a loved one or on your own that again is stimulating your sense of sight, sound, smell, touch, taste. Um, again, and, and you know, getting away from the blue lights at night. And, you know, we, we're going to offer your community, we have a free busy brain test that we give to our corporate clients that they can take. And they will find this 330 method and suggestions, including this, these guided meditations to do that, you know, are medical grade, and that we know the body scan meditation and clinical studies, etc. They, they reset your senses, essentially. So it goes beyond the breathe, but it's what am I doing to scramble my senses and reset my brain boundaries?
0: Yeah, I love all of that advice. And I think these are very actionable and very doable to your point. Um, Three minutes uh, in between meetings for a sensory reset, and then 30 minutes, which I think is a short period of time, but challenging. This is my personal
1: challenge is shutting off my devices. Um, you know, before bed. For me, as an entrepreneur working from home, rebuilding business, it's hard for me too. And I can imagine with children, it's hard for you. One thing I do is it's kind of gross, but I leave all my dirty dishes in my sink. So that 30 minutes before bedtime, uh, my hands are full of suds and grease. And I'm not going to touch a digital device with that. And it starts to calm me down the water and touching that and hearing the water running. And then I give my dog a quick extra walk. So he goes and lines up at the front door, knowing that as soon as she's done with those greasy dishes, he's getting to go outside for another walk. What's something you could do at night?
0: Yeah. Oh no, there's, there's plenty to do. Um, But I think for me, the potent reminder is um that at some point my productivity and input uh deteriorate and so knowing that just getting that extra article in is not going to stick um is a good way for me to put it away C- you know because it's always in the interest of getting more more
1: in in a short period of time so I love that so so we're both committing to divorcing our digital devices before bedtime and we're going to set that example
0: Yes, I love that. So three minutes sensory reset, 30 minutes of devoid of technology at night and mag and HTP. Those are uh, some of the great tips, take home tips that you've given us. So thank you so much. But I know there's much more. So tell our listeners how they can find you
1: where they can take the brain test and learn more about your eight week course. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Adrienne. You know, if they go to drromi.com forward slash test, you can take the Busy Brain Test and get your brain score. See if you're standing in your brain power or if you, you have a brain drain or a brain strain. And all the recommendations are given to you free, depending on what your score is. And you'll be welcomed into the drromi.com uh, global brain shift community. And Uh, While right now we are only running these eight-week programs for corporate clients, we've got them lined up for 2021 and 2022, we will be opening it to the public uh, later on in the spring or early summer. So stay tuned. You know, I want to be of service and... uh, it, it, you know, while we're trying to help people in the workplace, so many people are at home and needing that extra help. And in the meantime, really, Adrian, if you and I can just help our friends and listeners reduce the amount of alcohol and find a solution to calm their busy brains, then you and I are making a bigger impact on brain and mental and physical health, as well as our listeners.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for all of your guidance. And we look forward to the rollout of your programs and continue to stay in touch with us. Thanks again.
1: Thank you.